Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The race is on and Formula One has taken further action to protect itself while the races are off with a raft of measures designed to ensure the financial damage of the COVID-19 pandemic is kept under control. I'm your host, Ed Straw, and Scott Mitchell joins me for this special extra episode, delving into the changes that have been made, and the ones that might still be to come. Scott, so this is uh, yet another busy day, isn't it? Some big announcements, significant things for the future of Formula One, plenty to keep you busy on the news trail, certainly. Yes, it's nice of them to be able to uh, to give us so much stuff to, to, to work on, as uh, it's helping tick, uh, tick off the days, isn't it, as this uh, ever-increasing and indefinite hiatus continues i have no idea if the percentage of days uh completed is actually increasing though because it feels like for every day i do another week gets added on to the to the time between the race and resuming yeah it's uh yeah it's a long way off i think we should be uh we should be in vietnam by now shouldn't we that's where we uh we should yeah we should thanks for the reminder (laughs) instead (laughs) instead i'm instead i'm i'm day 12 stuck in my uh my flat in stockholm yeah, well, uh, plenty more days to come, as you, as you say. So let's keep focused on uh, on the matter at hand. Now, the FIA announced today various things, so let's let's kind of break them down. First up is the the general one that they've changed it so that they just need a sixty percent majority of teams to make changes uh, to to rules for this season, rather than unanimity. This seems to be kind of a, a practical measure, doesn't it, to ensure that uh, that changes that need to be made can be made. Yeah, absolutely. So the FAA has basically had this uh, tumultuous few weeks where they've had lots of requests for postponement or cancellation of races. And this goes beyond Formula One, obviously, but we'll, we'll speak about it in an F1 context. So you have this situation now where the number of races being postponed or cancelled is piling up and the amount of time that's left to fit them all back in is going down. And that's obviously going to create a really, really horrible situation later in the year. There's going to be a lot of tough decisions to be made. There's going to be um, a lot of decisions that need to be made quickly. And basically, in order for the FIA to be able to deal with this properly, they're basically given Jean Todd on behalf of the FIA emergency powers to um, to just crack on and, and, and do stuff. We know that from an F1 context, we, we'd reported already that one example of this would be the teams agreeing to waive their right to consultancy on calendar changes and it being rescheduled so now that's the, the FAA and F1 are, are free to crack on with that but it does extend further now and the the way the FAA put it is that the changes have been made to the current sporting regs they've been approved by the World Motorsport Council and this gives flexibility to the FAA and F1 uh, quote to react to the crisis and organize a race calendar that best safeguards the commercial value of the championship and contains costs as much as possible and I think that says all you need to know, really, doesn't it, about the um, the restrictions or pressures, I should say, that are currently on the championship and, and the 10 teams. 
yeah, it's very much a period where they're trying to pause as much of the F1 economy as they can to avoid spending money that they they may not ultimately have. It's it's very sensible to retrench in these periods, especially when we don't know how long it's going to be before things uh, things come to pass. But although it's emergency powers, it doesn't mean that uh, the FI has got a totally free hand in everything. They'll still need, for certain other measures, they'll, they'll still need the team majority agreement. But it stops this need for unanimity on everything which can be polluted by politics and that kind of thing. Yeah, so basically what happens now is that certain articles within the sporting regs will now only require 60% support amongst the teams. So again, it's that word flexibility again. It gives the rule makers a little bit more bit more power uh, to, to push stuff through. And, and this 60% rule will, will apply to, to various measures, um, including, for example, race weekend formats. So if they do decide that two-day events are the way to, to proceed off Friday practice so that we can have a run of of two or three races which I think might actually be quite if we do get going again in 2020 let's say the season doesn't start until August or September I think we're going to be in a situation where you might have a run of two or three weekends with races a weekend off two or three weekends with races a weekend off and to make that sort of schedule that's only hypothetical realistic you're going to need to to cut Fridays I think so that's an example there so just in case one or two teams or three teams even hold out um, now now basically you just need 60% support yeah, ultimately, uh, knocking out the, the Friday, it doesn't completely offset the, the effect of having those runs of races, but it will just create a tiny bit of, little bit of leeway that will just make it slightly less uh, taxing than it otherwise would be. And, and obviously, Formula One, the last thing we heard from uh, from Chase Carey is that they're still hopeful of getting 15 to 18 races, he said. 18 races is probably quite optimistic at this stage, but we do also know that they're open to extending the season into January, so there's a few places where... They're not in the Northern Hemisphere winter where they they could hold the races uh, there that will actually uh, be a good way to to fit in a little bit more. So, yeah, it's all about getting this number of races. The minimum number of races, of course, is eight, according to the uh, sporting regulations, but they want to get in a lot more than that because the more races, the more revenue. And ultimately, that's what this is about, isn't it? The economic situation. Yeah, and you mentioned there about the the calendar and... 18 races is definitely optimistic 15 might be achievable um if it goes below that we also have a little bit of clarity over how that will impact certain things within the regulations like the um the engine allocations we know that the you've had these uh restrictions in place for the various parts combustion engine mguh mguk turbocharger and the other bits and bobs um control electronics and and uh, energy store i'll mention them because that may i made that sound like i didn't know what they were and i was forgetting but uh, i was actually trying to be quick and now instead i've made it much longer than it needed to be which is classic me um but the way it'll work now is there'll be uh, it's a little bit of a sliding scale i suppose um the 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 restrictions or the limits are put in place based on a full season at the moment obviously it was going to be 22 races so you were meant to have um, free of everything except for the control electronics and the energy store, I think, which was two of, of everything across the 22 races. Now, if there's 14 races or fewer, you'll have to you you'll only have have two of everything to use. And if there's 11 races or fewer, you'll have two of everything except the MGUK control electronics or energy store. Now, that's obviously worst case scenario. I think it, it would be very very problematic if we only had 10 or 11 races, but the fact that they've gone so far as being so specific in the regulations instead of changing it nearer the time if you know cross the bridge when we come to it shows that they must think it's a at least a possibility that we get to the point where we're getting down to the absolute bare minimum number of races 
And it's important to have that have that clarity. Because, of course, especially when it comes to engine components, there are some things that have quite a long lead time to manufacturers. So that the clearer the framework is about how much they'll need to produce, etc., the easier it will be. Because then they won't be running around panicking trying to uh, to set things up. And obviously, the uh, yeah the calendar's moving kind of further and further back as as we speak. Eight races down, as you said already, and. It's hard to imagine that uh, that more races won't be postponed before we start uh, getting towards a, a, a proper calendar. Now, there is also, as part of these measures, confirmation that there's an engine development shutdown and also a freeze on aero development for uh, for, for, for future eggs. So that just limits the, uh, the amount of work they can do. This, again, is just to stop the engine manufacturers and the teams from spending money, isn't it? Yeah. So this was uh, so let's start with the aerodynamic development ban. Um, so this relates to the new technical regulations, which obviously have already been delayed from 2021 to 2022. And we'll come back to these <laughs> in a little bit in this podcast because the fun never stops. Um, but the point is basically by delaying these air, uh, these new technical rules to 2022, in theory, what happened there is you you could theoretically have an extra, well, however many, what another another eight, nine, ten months worth of development on the on the rules um, this year, just to just just a free hit. But with everyone in different stages of, of lockdown and and then obviously the shutdowns coming into play, plus the fact that the whole point of developing of sorry the whole point of delaying those rules is for cost reasons. We don't want teams throwing money at the develop at the aero development for for 2022. So that has been pushed back. That's that ban started on uh, last Saturday, March 28th, uh, and I think it's in place until the the early months of, of next year, February. I think was they haven't explicitly stated it the FIA, but f- February time was what we were hearing before. So so that's been done. That's that's aerodynamic development banned until next year. That's good. That stops uh, that saves teams from themselves almost um and then the other the other side of it as you said is yeah adding the engine manufacturers to the shutdown period because the engine manufacturers aren't normally part of that it's the it's the 10 teams because the engine manufacturers adhere to to different rules in different countries and it's difficult it's just not ever been something um that gets brought into these restrictions that's changed now we know that Ferrari uh, and Renault already had to close their facilities because of government restrictions. Mercedes and Honda had certain practices in place as well to to manage their workloads. But now what will happen is uh, the FIA has laid out quite strict instructions that they'll need to follow in terms of what can and can't be done. I think it will be applied slightly differently based on location because different countries have different uh, rules ultimately in place for for what uh, companies can and can't do in in terms of work working their employees so that will be determined individually between each manufacturer but in addition to the teams not being able to do anything for now the the, the engine manufacturers are are frozen uh so to speak so it's um it's it's a curious situation uh i know everyone's probably sick of hearing the word unprecedented but that is this that is the the world we live in at the moment and an f1 and now the engine manufacturers are not exempt from that and i think it's really important because this takes off the table temptation should we say to try and steal a march on others to throw more money that they may not have to take financial risks in order to gain a competitive advantage and I think it's important to take this off the table because it's very easy for teams to either think oh we can gain an advantage if we throw a bit more money than we should at this or alternatively for them to decide they have to because they're convinced all their competitors are you know even in times like this these are competitive animals and that's why I think all the teams will actually be quite happy to have agreed to this and and know that right it's level playing field lockdown we're not going to spend money on that and of course 
you know, aero development, engine development, it's hugely expensive. It involves running wind tunnels, design work time, all so many things, model making for wind tunnels, you know, parts manufacture for engines. There's huge amounts of things that just cost money to do. It's not just about your staff sitting there thinking, should we say, there's a cost attached to everything. So it's, it's a very, very positive move. Uh, we'll take a very quick break and then come back with more on these measures. Right, well, welcome back. Scott, without further ado, we'll get on with more changes. One thing that the FI has confirmed is that the, the DAS band, the, uh, the dual axis steering system that Mercedes has pioneered, is definitely banned next year. And while people might think that it was already banned because it was banned for 21, when they deferred the 21 regs to 22 and carried over the 20 regs, it was a bit of a grey area whether this would change. But now we know no DAS in 2021. Yeah, I don't understand what's so confusing about it, Ed. This was banned for 2021, but then 2021 moved to 2022. So this thing that was banned for 2021 might have been doable for 2021, but now we've had confirmation that it's not allowed to be done in 2021. What's confusing about that? That's a good tongue twister, isn't it? It is. I'm really proud of myself, actually, for uh, for not tripping up over that one. I should say I could see the concentration on your face so you're very and, and the delight at the end of it. <laughs> um no, yeah, absolutely the it, it's a it's a sensible it's a sensible measure and it's important i think as well that they've clarified it because when the when the dual axis steering system made its debut in testing which was mega i loved seeing how wide-eyed it made lots of other teams and obviously it set the set the media world alight um there was uh, there was no specific or uh, there was nothing emphatic from the fia saying it was or wasn't going to be allowed beyond 2020 and what we'd had from Mercedes was the indication that the development of the device included many conversations with the FAA going back a long time. Uh, it wasn't something that they were the FAA was finding out at, at testing the same as us. Um, and the FAA never turned around and said, yes, that's correct, this device is, is legal, but we've outlawed it for next year. However, the first draft of the 2021 technical rules did have a section in it related to steering that appeared to rule out the DAS. And what's happened now is in this interim 21 season where the chassis and other components will get carried over from 2020 to 2021 because the technical, the new technical rules have been pushed back. There was a bit of a grey area. It was, okay, well, is the DAS going to be part of that? What they've done is they've taken that bit from the new, what were going to be the new technical rules. They've taken that, that, that part and applied it to the current technical rules. So as of next year, the DAS will explicitly be outlawed and the FAA has now, in its communication of these changes, explicitly referred to dual axis steering systems as not being allowed from from next year. So it's not anything particularly controversial because this is something that Mercedes would need to be on board with ultimately, but it's just, it's a good bit of uh, important box ticking, shall we say. Yeah, it's tidying up because at times like this when there's lots of things to, to shift, there have been cases in the past when things have been overlooked shall we say so it's good just to get that done paperwork done signed sealed delivered and that also means that teams now know that if they're going to develop a, a, a DAS to rival Mercedes it's got a very limited shelf life that'll probably be uh, doubly good news for Red Bull because as we've uh, discussed uh, there's a video on our YouTube channel in fact where we discuss about why Red Bull with the way a car is currently wouldn't be able to adopt the DAS even if it was to try and uh, try and develop it it would require some pretty uh, pretty major changes so it just means that again that's another temptation reduced, should we say. So you know if you're going to do the DAS, it's only going to pay you pay off for a few months probably uh, later later this year to the end of the season. And what I will just add to that, Ed, as well, is with this ongoing hiatus and the fact that we 
the fact that the summer shutdown, uh, well, the summer shutdown that's taking place across March and April, that could be extended. Um, and there does seem to be a broad agreement between the teams to to avoid getting into a, a needless development uh, race while certain restrictions are in place beyond what the FAA mandate. I actually don't know if anyone's going to be in a position to develop the DAS for this season. So it, it's kind of a curious situation where we've it's sort of swung one way than the other. This hasn't it? We've had Mercedes has, has this amazing revelation. Um, is it going to be something that they have uh, indefinitely that that nobody else can have? Then you have a bit of a break with a few races postponed. So you think, oh, maybe this has given the the other teams a bit of a window to develop the DAS and have it for the rest of the year. And then the severity of the situation comes into play. Everyone gets placed on lockdown or into a shutdown scenario. And it becomes clear that they won't be able to develop this. And then we get the final confirmation that it's banned for 2021 anyway. So I wonder, especially given... Red Bull said it was was keen to protest the DAS in in Australia, and obviously that doesn't guarantee anything. I wonder if this is the final nail in the coffin now for anyone other than Mercedes running the DAS if and when the 2020 season gets underway. Very, very possibly. You'd have to be very confident that you're going to get a good number of races if you're going to go for it. I guess if you're, you know, if you're Red Bull or Ferrari, they're the ones with the, the biggest resource to go for it. But obviously, Red Bull it brings out so many other problems. I suspect they wouldn't have time with the compromises that would come with it to uh, to get the most out of it. So, yeah, it may well have uh, changed things. Now, the other thing, this is not something that's currently happened, but Christian Horner in an interview with the BBC with Andrew Benson talked about the fact that teams are in favour of potentially deferring the regulations another year. So the, the 2021 regulations that were in 2022 could go back to 2023, which... It shows the scale of this problem and the financial impact, doesn't it? Because all the teams and F1 as a whole just want to avoid committing themselves to these these big spending points, etc. So it could be a very pragmatic move to to do that, just to, again, buy themselves time, not put financial pressure on themselves. I, I agree. And I think I've seen a few people slightly misinterpret what's going on and, and they seem to think that it's an overreaction because it's basically a few months of delays here adding up to a two-year delay in in major new technical rules. But it, it it's not about that. It's not it's not that the time loss now needs to be added on at the end. It's about the fact that the F1 teams, they basically borrow against their future selves, don't they? Because the prize money is paid in arrears. So basically, all the problems that we're facing now with the, with the races not happening, uh, that's going to be felt in 12 months' time when the teams have been budgeting based on getting X amount of money over the next few years, that's suddenly going to come down. They're going to have less money to play with. And while deferring the rules uh, protected them immediately, now it stops them having to try and persevere with development of a new car for 2021 while all of this madness is going on. Only deferring it to 2022 means that next year is when they'll have to be developing this all-new car to all-new technical rules and they're going to have less money to play with because of the problems facing this, they're facing this year. So deferring everything to 2023 is actually, I think, quite a good solution because we're not in any rush for this. It would be silly for F1 to have a short-term victory and then cause itself problems further down the line. So this is all about pragmatism. If you do it the way Horner's talking about, which seems to have broad agreement from, from the teams but needs to be rubber-stamped and, and signed off, etc., you're going to have a situation where the teams can ride out the storm of 2020, hopefully find a way to get through next year when they have reduced payments and they'll do that by freezing other car components and maybe, and they'll still have the budget cap in place next year and maybe that budget cap will, will be even lower. So 
So hopefully everyone's a bit more competitive with one another. And then in 2022, when everything has hopefully over the next 18 months started to settle, that's when you go into the development phase of the new car. The new car comes on steam in 2023. We're long clear of this pandemic and, and, and this global crisis. And hopefully F1's new era can start without a big cloud hanging over it or any of the teams struggling to survive. Yeah, and it, it just makes sense because obviously the, the revenue the teams get from from their performance overall is based on the team sharing a percentage of F1's revenue. So that's where F1, uh, as a commercial rights holder, Liberty Media, and the F1 teams are, are bound and are genuinely in it together because the F1 teams share a certain slice of the cake. So we don't know right now how big that cake is going to be. It's unquestionably going to be smaller, but every race that doesn't take place, that's your 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 cake is smaller straight away. So uh, we don't necessarily know exactly what's going on with the uh, the broadcasters as well, because obviously F1 will be wanting full payment from the broadcasters for their TV deals. But as it stands, they're not giving a full a full season, so there'll be all sorts of talk going on in the background about that as well. Well, I, I heard recently that um, one of the one of the stipulations, and obviously all the contracts are, are different, so this doesn't this doesn't mean it's universal guarantee. But I know that there's at least one broadcaster that's looking in terms of if a if a season has 15 races, that's considered a full season. So I wonder if that's why that sort of lower that lower range of the target started at 15 races because that's what F1 considers to be a full season. That's what it is contractually. Obviously, this this is all. Um, it's all a little bit of a guesstimation but it will be interesting to see what the repercussions are there and obviously prize money is one thing but there are also sponsor commitments that the teams have and that will be based on you know success the driver contracts will be based on um, you know bonuses and for, for performance and results and wins and points and all of that so there's there's loads of ways that you're you, you make all of these agreements based on there being 21 22 races this is meant to be a, a record season it's certainly going to go down in the history books this season if and when it ever happens but not for the reasons anyone expected yeah well there's there's just so many strands to this everything gets gets impacted you know all this all the sponsorship deals f1's wider sponsorship deals you know paddock club revenue everything is impacted and that's before we even start mentioning or the whole kind of wider ecosystem you know there's there's all sorts of uh particularly in the uk there's loads of small businesses and small companies that do work for f1 teams who will be impacted by this kind of thing as well and they're kind of outside of that uh that loop as well so it's it's far-reaching and this is why it's very satisfying to see a really long-term view taken and, and rather than waiting until F1 is forced into making these decisions. They're saying, right, actually, it'd be pragmatic to do this, 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 and this. And so the measures taken over the past few months, a uh, few weeks rather, have been absolutely, uh, absolutely on the money. So let's hope they keep uh, progressing in in that way. But the fact that they've created a mechanism to make it easy to change means we can expect further changes, even for this year potentially, can't we, Scott? Yeah, Ed, I, I completely agree. Um, this is not going to be the um, the extent of the disruption. Um, I think we're going to see changes across the board. I think um, we're going to see further races postponed and cancelled. I think we're going to see a dramatically different calendar to what we expected in, in 2020. I'd be surprised if there aren't more measures implemented by the FIA and F1 and the teams to try and protect themselves, um, whether that's going to be the budget cap reduced, uh, whether that's going to be the rules deferred to 2023, whether that's going to be more and more parts frozen. Uh, and actually, maybe the engines will get 
homologated as well at the end of 2020 and then used until 22 or 23. I don't know, but I'd be amazed if this is the last we're here on one of these podcasts discussing some measures being implemented to save F1 in a time of crisis. Yeah, I suspect there's going to be plenty more to be done. Of course, the race will have all the latest news about what's going on in Formula One. There's still plenty, uh, plenty happening, and we've got loads of uh, loads of material on there for you to delve into. If you do like our, our podcast, of course, we want you to subscribe to the Race F1 podcast if you haven't already done so. But we've also got the Gary Anderson F1 show out every week with the former Jaguar and Jordan technical director. We've got the Bring Back V Tens podcast, which is classic F1 stories. So if you head to head to that, we've got a two part episode talking about Prost's fallout with Ferrari and his eventual sacking really delving into those old stories we've also got the race formula e podcast covering all things electric racing and the race moto gp podcast so uh, even in these difficult times when uh, when the world's in a slightly strange situation there's loads for you to listen to there and do check out our youtube channel as well so stay home stay safe and we'll see you again very soon